0: It's good to be back with you. Uh, Longest break that I've had uh, since I've been here. We've had um, a number of uh, people. We've had Alex and uh, Baz. And uh, it's good to be with you again. One of the things I like about my job is being proved wrong. Uh, I wouldn't like to be wrong all the time. Uh, But as they say, we learn from our mistakes. Uh, I particularly like it when my error leads me to a greater understanding of Jesus, as it has with our passage today. Uh, It helps me remember if I can look back and sort of see the things that I thought before and have been proved wrong. Uh, When I came to the three parables today, I thought, I know what these are about. I even wrote uh, a thousand words of a sermon that I don't intend to preach. But uh, in God's providence, I paused and went back to the text. Uh, And I started reading what experts thought uh, these parables were about. Uh, And I wasn't far off with the third parable about the mustard seed. That's a mustard tree, if you're interested. But I had missed some important things about the first two parables and I would have led you astray. Uh, a simple summary of what I thought the three parables were about is, uh, well, the parable about the lamp is about not hiding our faith. Uh, and it's uh, probably an encouragement for us to share our faith. Uh, I've heard many, many sermons uh, that have used it as a spur to evangelism, telling people about our faith. Uh, I thought the parable about the seed growing uh, is about God growing our faith uh, and or growing the church. So it's about church growth. And the parable about the mustard seed is about God growing his kingdom so that we can all find shelter in it. Uh, I now think all three parables are about the kingdom of God. Uh, His reign on earth as king and with followers as his subjects. Uh, So I'm going to be talking about the kingdom of God today. I should say that I'm grateful for Alex reminding us a couple of weeks ago that not everyone thinks kindly of the notion of kings and queens. Uh, It was in the name of kings and a queen of England that this land was stolen from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders and, and so much suffering caused... Aboriginal land is still called crown land, as if to rub that in. And there are, of course, differing views uh, in Australia on the monarchy and a republic and the place of uh, the king today. But let's not get caught up in that. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we talk of a supreme king who has real power and only knows and does good. And today we have three parables or short illustrative stories about his kingdom. The parable of the lamp is about Jesus and his kingdom coming when he did, so that they may be brought out into the open. Something once concealed, although foreshadowed in the Old Testament, is now revealed. The parable is not about us and what we have to do, It's about Jesus and his kingdom. We are encouraged to consider carefully what we hear about that kingdom. Uh, And God will ensure that good things flow to people whose understanding leads them into relationship with God as king. The parable of the seed growing is again about recognising and understanding the kingdom of God. It's about Jesus coming in a mundane way, like a little seed, uh, and about the nature of the kingdom. It's not something that we make, but something that God makes, and sustains and sees flourish and produce in abundance. And the third parable of the mustard seed is about God growing his kingdom so that we can all find shelter in it. So the three parables about the kingdom of God. And that really shouldn't surprise us. Because at the beginning uh, of the gospel, Mark has told us, he's summarised the teaching of Jesus, that he went into Galilee preaching, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. That's a summary of Jesus' teaching, and that includes the teaching that we see in these parables today. So that's code as well, that we know that this is about the kingdom of God. And as I said, I've heard many talks over the years on the first parable. I've been told time and again that this is all about whether each one of us is prepared to share our faith with others. And I think that that can flow out of it. Uh, If you know about God's love for us, you'll want to share that. But I don't think it's a command to do that. Uh, I've nothing against intelligent, well-conceived evangelism. Uh, I know uh, a few good evangelists, and I love and value them. But I do not like clumsy, threatening behaviour that so often does more harm than good, or people who really don't have the gifts of evangelism doing it because they think that they must do it. No, if if you've got a different gift, use that. Uh, I'm not going to suggest we knock glebe or forest lodge or stand on the corner handing out flyers about Jesus and and that the end of the world is nigh. Uh, The early church did not grow by that sort of action. And I can't see it working in Glebe today. It grew by people loving their neighbours. And funny about that, it's exactly what Jesus told us to do. In 1 Peter 2, God says, Through the Apostle Peter... Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. So, our lives should proclaim Jesus. People should see the difference that Jesus makes in our lives, and God will use that for His purposes, which include His kingdom growing. So let's look at what these three parables say rather than what we might have been told in the past and we'll see how they actually work. Uh, It helps if we consider where Mark places these parables. He's just recorded the parable of the four soils that Alex discussed last week and an important aspect of that parable was hearing. How do we hear God? God sows the seed abundantly, and if we hear it, if we try to listen and understand, it will make us into good, productive soil. The message is, listen to the word, and the seed will make us good soil. The seed does the work, unless we have hard, shallow hearts and minds, or we let things grow up around us to stop us hearing the weeds of our lives, the weeds of our culture. The hearing actually, and hearing actually lies behind each of the parables today. They are not so much about what we are to do, but who God is, what he does, and how we hear and respond to him. Uh, In our first parable about the lamp, our translation starts with this. Uh, What's wrong with it? Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? And this does seem to be uh, talking about what we should do. But the original Greek is more awkward and has the lamp as the subject. And sorry to bring grammar into something on a lovely Sunday morning, but it does help. Um, It should read does the lamp come in order that it might be placed under the bowl or under the bed? The active agent, the the doer, is the lamp, not us. And understanding that really changes how this parable works. So who or what might the lamp be? In the Old Testament, the lamp was often a metaphor or image for the for God or his Messiah, his saving king. We saw that in our first reading, that God is the lamp by which we see. And and, and this is no ordinary lamp in the parable today. It is the lamp. And yes, Jesus is the lamp. So Jesus is saying, did I come to be hidden or to be brought out into the open? The good news of God... The good news that God would rescue us from the fall has been there since Genesis 3. And now the Saviour has come. The promises of God are being fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is the lamp who will lead us forward. So Jesus is talking about himself in this parable. The good news is Jesus not some special knowledge or code. And Jesus is for everyone, or at least everyone, who has ears to hear. Uh, He has not come to be hidden. Jesus is here for those who want to hear, who want to understand and want to be changed by him and saved by him. Jesus' advice... Why is this so slow today? Um, his advice, instead, don't you put it on, uh, don't you put it on its le- stand, means we are to give Jesus a place of honour among us. Look up to him and listen to him and not thwart his plans by hiding him. Uh, this is a bit like the parables of the old garments and the wineskins. Jesus is not like an old garment or dry old win- wineskin. His place is not under a bowl or a bed he is not to be subordinate to anything for he is the light by which people are able to see in john's gospel jesus will say he is the light of the world he's come to drive out darkness god's purposes in jesus are to enlighten and reveal and through him to save our role is to listen and understand and Give him the preeminent place in our lives. And and to ram this home, Jesus says... (sighs) Could you click it? I'm sorry. I did change the battery today, but it just doesn't seem to want to work. So to ram it home, Jesus actually says, consider carefully what you hear. (laughs) See, it is about hearing. It's about Jesus the lamp and the effect that the light has, the effect that Jesus has and will have if we listen. Uh, And then there's a tricky bit, which again makes sense if we remember that this is about hearing. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even that will be taken away from them. And when you heard that earlier, you might think, what's that about? A literal translation would read, in whatever measure you measure, it will be measured to you and will be added to you. And that doesn't make a lot of sense either. But if we remember that the Jews didn't like mentioning God's name in case they committed blasphemy we would see again that God is the active agent. He's the doer. And it's about what God is doing. And we can read it as, if you listen and want to understand, God will measure it out to you and add it to you. I know it sounds a bit illogical that more will be given to the one who has, but here Jesus is saying to the one who listens to the parables and understands them, and lets the kingdom break into them, more and more understanding will be given. So this builds on the parable of the four soils and Jesus' explanation of the purpose of him using parables. If we don't jump to simple conclusions, uh, which may fit with our own preferences or preoccupations, if we actually listen to Jesus and what he's saying, then... We will have Jesus as our King. And we will come into His kingdom. And He will be our King. And so much will flow from that forgiveness, meaning, hope, a good way to live, and ultimately eternal life with God. All those things come from listening. And on the other side are people who do not listen or don't want to understand. And they will miss out on being part of God's kingdom. And it does help if people see what people, uh, what, what's going on in the kingdom of God. So, so we shouldn't hide Jesus away, particularly in a country like Australia, where there is still religious freedom most of the time. So the words in 1 Peter are there for us. Live such good lives among the pagans. Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We need to listen to God so that we can live in his ways. And they hear and see Jesus by seeing the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. They see us living happily in obedience to him. The second parable about the growing seed picks up on this idea of growing coming from listening. Again, we can focus too much on what the man is doing. He's sowing seed. But the point is not that we should all be going out and sowing seed. The parable isn't so much about sowing seed. It's about what God does through the seed. How do we know that? Well, because God tells us, or sorry, Jesus tells us if we have ears to hear. Uh, The parable says, uh, this is what the kingdom of God is like. That's how this parable starts. This is what the, uh, the kingdom of God is like. Not, this is what you have to do. Not, I want you to go out and sow seed Jesus is talking about his kingship and how it grows and produces from the th- things that God provides, things like the life embedded in the seed, and soil, and light, and rain. So it is not about what we must do to make the kingdom grow. Whether we sleep or not, the seed will grow and flourish. It is God who provides the harvest. This doesn't cut across Jesus' later command to love our neighbour by sharing the good things that God gives us with our neighbours, but God's kingdom is his project. He is in control and we can be part of that harvest. As we reach maturity and are then gathered into God's storehouse, the farmer waits and trusts. He sleeps and gets up and whatever he does, the plant grows. Not because of anything the farmer does. The kingdom of God is not like a typical human quest for power and significance, won by violence and revolution. Jesus' reign will not be marked by major victories over the Romans or the defeat of the religious elite in Jerusalem. His followers were not to take up swords, but to listen to his word and love their neighbours, including their enemies. Despite the farmer's absence and ignorance, the kingdom grows by itself. The growth of the kingdom is strangely independent of what we would associate with the church. The church is not a vanity project for us, where we take pride in what we do, but a place where we meet around Jesus and honour him and listen to him and let his kingdom take hold of us and where he turns us into the church he wants. He's the doer. And our third parable about the mustard seed is an example of something that Baz mentioned a couple of weeks ago. There's something very surprising about the kingdom of God. Jesus does not describe it as a magnificent throne room or something grand with magnificent mountain ranges and beautiful sunsets and and, or palaces and glorious beaches. There are no golden carriages and thousands of impractically dressed soldiers. Jesus does not say it is like that. He says the kingdom of God is like a tiny seed the smallest seed he and his first audience knew. How mundane is that? Just just think of it. You might think of the potential, but just think about how mundane a little seed is. And this is the paradox of the gospel. As James Edwards says in his commentary on Mark's gospel, this is like the scandal of the Incarnation. The son of God is disguised in the commonplace. He comes as a baby in Bethlehem to utter unknowns, with the Romans firmly in control. In fact, he comes as a tiny seed in Mary's womb, which God then takes and uses to produce the child and man and king we know as Jesus. But he's a carpenter's son, from the little town of nazareth from which proverbially nothing good comes and equally important this god who comes in jesus is here he is imminent he does not stay in some high and lofty place god is not watching us from a distance he is here in the mundane routines of planting and harvesting And he provides us a safe place. If it's a toss-up between the trappings of regal splendour and a safe place, I'm going to go with a safe place. This seed, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. And we can be those birds. The third parable has words of hope to the crowd that had gathered around Jesus. How could this kingdom that Jesus was proclaiming become so big? Little seed, big tree. He had 12 apostles, each of them insignificant in their own way, but it means so much to us. In Jesus's day, no one could challenge the Roman Empire, but within 300 years, Christianity had become the official religion of the Roman Empire. Today, two billion people around the world identify as followers of Jesus and find a safe branch in his kingdom, even if persecuted by earthly powers. Just think of how big that tree must be if there's a branch for every one of those two billion. God's kingdom is a place where lost and weary and lonely people have found truth and hope and love for hundreds of years. And there is a place of safety there for each one of us. That's Jesus' message in these parables. Listen and this is what you get. So what do we need to do? What's the punchline to these parables? We should listen so that we can be part of the kingdom of God. And how about we pray? Heavenly Father, you know that what we need, you know what we need to do. We need to listen to you to your word in the Bible, to those who love us with a love that comes from you. We need to listen to you when we hear you holding us back or pushing us forward. We need to listen to you when you speak to us in our dreams and when we feel your Holy Spirit leading us. Please help us to listen and give you the honour you deserve. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing, shall we?